you have that moment when you're sitting down on a blank page and it's say it's a book and you have that wave of oh my god I can't design oh my god I, you know how do I do this and that process still takes a long time the start of a project this is the creative voyage podcast a long-form interview show with the mission to help creative professionals level up I'm your host Mario de Picolzuan I'm a creative professional myself active in the fields of graphic design art direction and creative consulting working with companies such as Kinfolk, Menu, and Sonos. Through season one of this podcast, I present in-depth interviews with some of the world's most inspiring creative professionals, revealing the stories that shape their lives and careers, plus actionable strategies to help you take your mindset and skills to the next level. I invite you to join me on this journey. This episode is devoted to the founder of one of my favorite London-based design studios. My name is Charlotte Hill and I run the design and art direction company called Charlotte Hill Design Limited, based in London. Charlotte's studio offers a holistic approach to projects, creating well-crafted design solutions across print and digital media, from campaigns and identities to publications, films and websites. Working for clients such as Matuk, The Cork, Kinfolk, Toast, Adidas and Violet Magazine. I've had a pleasure of meeting Charlotte during my first week of working for the Kinfolk magazine, which was nearly three years ago. At the time, she was the magazine's design director, and she came to Copenhagen for the launch event of the Kinfolk Homebook. I had a chance of seeing her on a few other social occasions, and since I love her work, I decided to ask her to be one of my first podcast guests, and luckily, she gave me a chance. I admire Charlotte's attention to detail, a multidisciplinary approach of her studio, and the fact that it is rooted in concept generation and content-driven design in our direction. We're going to listen to the highlights of the conversation I had with Charlotte in November of 2017. We cover topics such as hunting for new work, conceptual approach to design solutions, framing mistakes, the state of young talent today, the things she's currently struggling with, and Michael Jackson dance routines. Charlotte's studio is deliberately small, but as with most of my favorite design agencies, that is not stopping them in producing remarkable work for prestigious clients. At the time of this conversation, the studio consisted of just three people, a senior designer, designer, and Charlotte as the lead. We'll begin our episode with Charlotte discussing why she keeps the studio small. I've only ever been employed at one place, and that was for a year and a half I worked at Spring Studios. And what I realized is as a team grew, it was a funny one. Like there was always work happening, but there were many times when you weren't doing anything and you were just waiting for the end of the day or you started checking your stuff on Facebook or you were kind of waiting for something to drop. And then it would get really, really busy. And I think you weren't necessarily as involved in the project as one could have been. And it just meant that when I left there, I suddenly thought I've done some work there, but it's not like for the amount of time I was there. It just felt like actually you can cut that out by having a smaller team. And I think that that's something I really want is that everyone brings ideas to the table and is very involved. And, you know, there isn't time to be hanging out on social media and, you know, checking other things. I want to, you know, everyone to be focused. But also I think that sense of ownership with projects is really important. So yeah, I think I would never want to be big anyway. As creative professionals, we often work independently. It can take years before we can hire people and build a company of any size in case that's our goal. Initially, our workload and cash flow can influence that, but the reasons can also be emotional and driven by our mindset. It's easy to fall into the trap of always wanting to do everything ourselves. That's something that I've been struggling with in the last two or three years, 
So a bit selfishly, I've asked Charlotte if she had any advice on when and how to make that jump. Finding the right person initially is really important. I think I found, you know, when you have that collaboration and it works, it could be amazing. And I think that if it can happen naturally through people you know or people that you've met through, I don't know, teaching or recommends, I can't do anything non-organically in a way because I think I haven't sort of said to someone, right, I haven't like advertised or that sort of thing. And I think through teaching, I've been very lucky because then I've trusted those people and they know who I am and they know what I'm about. Yeah. But then equally, I've had some people just approach me and then I've met them and really got on with them. And then as they've been with me, it's become more and more clear how strong it is. So I would be saying you could just try it on a on a small scale basis with like rather than it being, okay, I'm employing someone, just say, okay, on this project, I'm I'm going to bring a freelancer in to just work with me on this project, not the other projects. So you handle them perhaps by yourself, but just on a bigger project, you get someone else in and then just see how that collaboration works. Besides running a successful creative studio, Charlotte is lecturing both in the UK and abroad. I was curious to hear her thoughts on the current state of young talent. I mean, I should explain that my training and in the UK, a lot of art schools are very ideas based first and foremost. And I think that that's something that I pride myself on with the studio and the way I approach projects. And that's down to the education I've had. But what I'm finding more and more, because everyone's so much more visually literate now with social media and I don't know, just, you know, I didn't have the internet when I was on foundation and the beginning of my degree and things. And I think people can make things look very, very beautiful very quickly now. And they can copy things quite quickly and easily. And I think there's more accessibility to all of these things physically as well in terms of like, you know, magazines. There's a plethora of magazines that one can afford. And I think that students now can struggle to understand that it's about ideas. And they, they kind of don't do enough research. They I found a lot of my students in the past have arrived with sketchbooks and copied things and stuck in references and said that that's work in progress. And to me, that's not real research. And I think that there's a tendency like, I mean, I, I struggle with it. I'm, you know, one of the things that I also was going to say is, you know, I think it's good to get inspiration away from the computer, but I think it's more and more hard. And I think that, yeah, I see students being much more trend based and kind of just visually looking something looking very glossy, but actually not having the substance behind it and the depth of research that I was taught to do. And I think is a strength. So if someone would like to cultivate that, what would you suggest as a starting point? I think it's also just like really looking back at art history and um, yeah, digging deeper than just what something looks like aesthetically. And also just to copy something doesn't mean it's research is what I mean. It's exhausting ideas. You know, even if it's just a word that you're given and you're asked to produce something based on that, it's exhausting that with wordplay games and visual pun games and kind of pushing it so that it almost doesn't make sense to the concept anymore, but it goes so far out, then it can be pulled back in. When you talk about a tree, rather than just finding photographic evidence of trees, you start thinking about all aspects of a tree, so be it the bark, how a leaf is shaped, all the different myriad of colours, how they're formed, where they grow, what depth do their root go, how high do they, you know, it's like absolutely everything. And I think there's a sense now of kind of like, oh, but I can just make something look nice. Yeah. I think that that's something I definitely have noticed in my years of teaching. Charlotte is active both in the creative industry and in education, which places her in a valuable position of being able to provide relevant and relatable guidance to young professionals. When we talked about that subject, she emphasized the importance of play. Here are her thoughts on that and some other advice for creatives who are just starting out. 
it's important to have fun with your peers and both in in the studio when you're learning but also out and about because I think those kind of connections are really important so I'd be saying to people you might have just graduated or you might still be in education but you know play because that's where a lot of things are formed and I think a lot of a lot of projects that have come have actually come through friends or word of mouth but it's also I think you can be presented with an opportunity but it's actually to take the opportunity as well I think also a sense of valuing you know your worth because I think there can be a tendency to, for people to kind of take advantage and you know not pay interns for a long time and I think that there's a point where you do actually have to stand up and sort of say well I might have been working with you for a month now you're suggesting you want me for another two months I need payment for that and I think that I come across that quite a lot where past students of mine have emailed me and said can I ask this person for money and it's like well yes but how does that process work and just being aware of the situation they're in so valuing your worth is important as well as play I mean I've seen old students of mine who have gone on and done short courses to extend the focus and area that they want to go into and I think that I've always been really excited when I've seen that in people that they've done a degree in graphic design and then have decided oh you know but I really want to focus on art direction and even though they've been employed and they're doing that they've still gone off and done short courses and I you know I take up my hat off for that because I think that that shows you know real dedication and passion and, and doing those things can really help. I think also asking questions is so important especially when you're being briefed by a client or being interviewed for a prospective job. I think don't just go in there and think okay I'm the one being interviewed. I think go in there and ask questions and I probably didn't do that enough in some cases I think that I it was that like oh I'm you know I need to do that I think with clients I have and I've always kind of possibly over overanalyzed and asked too many questions but I think when you're interviewed I think it's also really important because you don't know whether that job is actually going to suit you and will fit with you one of the keys to staying relevant is growth that also seems to be the crucial ingredient of contentment in one's life to grow we need to change We need to try things out. And however desperately we would like to avoid it, that also means making mistakes. I was curious to hear what are some of the things Charlotte would advise her younger self at the start of her professional journey. One thing that if I was to go back and be sort of 20 again, I think one I would have probably gone out and played a bit more. I was always very, had a strong work ethic. And I think that that's great. And it keeps me motivated, especially when you're self-employed. But I think, you know, trusting in my ability a bit more, I could relax and kind of think, okay, this will be okay. I'm okay on this. And it's not really a lack of confidence. It was more trusting in your ability a bit more. It's difficult because I always thought I wanted to do photography out of my BA. So when we're talking about education, now I think the mistake is that I wasn't as involved in some of the classes or on the technical workshops that I could have done because I was thinking, well, I don't need to go to those because I want to do this. And actually, rather than being so focused and sort of, again, narrow-minded, it sounds too negative because I was focused on what I wanted to do, but then it, it materialized that I wanted to do a broader scope of things. And I think in that sense, I could have been more open-minded to go, no, okay, I am going to do this project and I am going to, you know, I'm going to go to this workshop still and I am going to be more open-minded to do that technical things. By being a quote-unquote successful creative professional doesn't free you from failure and running into obstacles. I've talked to Charlotte about how she handles those situations. You know, I look back and you kind of realize afterwards, oh, that impacted and helped me come to the place I am now. And that wouldn't have happened any other way. So you can't really have that mistake. I I mean, I'm always amazed at how certain things have led from one thing to another. It always shocked me. It's like, 
gosh, if I hadn't met that person at that point, I wouldn't have then done that. And so many things are up for chance as well. And I think that's what's also really frustrating, I think, for students to hear because, you know, they can be quite anxious about like, oh, how am I going to get the job and how am I going to do this? And that's where it got to be open for opportunity because you never know where it's going to come from. And that's quite amazing. Is there anything that in hindsight you think would have maybe helped you to advance more effectively? Any regrets? I mean, in terms of not regret, but I do thank God, had I been employed at a studio straight after my degree, I probably would have bypassed a lot of things I've had to learn just through myself, like learning. And because I was an individual, I didn't have anyone to learn those things from. So it was a far slower process to pick those things up. Whereas if you're employed in a studio, you immediately learn things from the people you're around, from the jobs that come in. Whereas I had to teach myself those things. So for example, I taught myself in design and actually I was on Quark when I was at college. So when I graduated and then I was working in isolation that I had to teach myself in design because I hadn't needed to because I'd been on Quark. Whereas if I'd been unemployed in a studio, someone would have taught me those things and it wouldn't be years down the line and go, oh, I didn't know about that. Tell me about it. You know, so in that sense, is it a mistake? I don't know. You know, I tried to get employed, but, I, you know, I graduated from Royal College and I was like, right, this is my portfolio. This is what I want to do. And I went round with my book. And I think that, yeah, it just so happened that I was then asked to do projects as a freelancer rather than employed in a studio. And I can and now I look back and I can totally see why people didn't employ me because and I have had people approach me and I've not employed them for similar reasons that they're possibly two ideas based they're not I'm going to have to teach them stuff and I don't have the time and I'm of that opinion now like there are times when I think god I can't be there kind of teaching all the way through and I think that that's why part of my education lacked the business skills and also the technical skills and I I've sort of you know in the past I berated them sort of thank god my education was so ideas based but now I'm actually really happy about that because it means I'm that much more conceptual and all of the projects that I do have a base in something otherwise you I feel like you're floating around slightly in a kind of trend-based world but I'm really really happy with my education and you know I wouldn't change it for the world but there are times when I sort of gone damn it why didn't they teach me this and I didn't even know that existed and I remember I taught at Brighton and the fashion course I think it was a four-year course and part of that I think in the third year they went off and did interns and like you know apprenticeship but I think when they returned afterwards their last year was a business and creative and I think that that's something which should be in all I believe art and design courses yeah because you need to have an awareness of your worth but you also need to know you know business wise how to do certain things and I remember going to LCC a few years back and teaching a workshop and they were all third years and I said to some of them well it was a whole group I just said so how many of you know what a junior designer earns and I think two people put up their hands And I was shocked by that because I thought you're in your third year, you're about to go out. You need to know what you think you're going to earn next year. And also I said to some people, how many of you think that you'll do some freelance work? And again, so many hands shot up. And I said, and how much is your hourly rate? No one could answer me. And you just think that's part of your education and it's not there. Or at least it hasn't been from what I've seen. Yeah. And what were some of your most valuable failures or mistakes? Because as we know, if appropriately framed, all those can also be opportunities. I mean, I've certainly had jobs that I've lost and then thought or that I've turned down and I've thought, was that stupid? And then I found out that actually that was far better. I mean, one example, which was a blessing in disguise, was when I was doing Lula magazine and then that ended for me. And I was gutted because for me, editorial design and magazine work is 
brilliant and I loved it. I felt like I was really building something when I was on that magazine and it was just about to get going because I'd done three issues of the design. It was beginning to kind of stink for me and it was, you know, I was like, okay, I've got something that's going to work through many issues. And then it ended and it was absolutely gutted. And then I got the Kinfolk work and had Lula been carrying on, I might not have done, you know, Kinfolk. So it's like, that's where you could get, say something that was a bit of a failure in that I lost something was then a blessing. And I think that it's sort of turning around and realizing why something didn't go forward so that you can learn from that. So what do you do in those situations? Do you have any strategies or tactics for picking yourself up, especially in those first reactionary moments? I think it's difficult because the work is my is my life because obviously I have interests outside of work, but I, it's a, you know it's a big part of me. So any strategy, it's much the same as how do you deal with, with any upset or something that you're disappointed about or gutted about. You you kind of admit that you feel like that, and you talk to someone, a friend of yours or a partner, and you know feel down for a while, and then you pick yourself up and you you carry on. But I think, and that's again one of those things where in terms of thinking about students and young professionals coming out, I think that's where you've got to be really passionate about this world you're entering. Because if you let those sorts of things put you off entirely, then you're probably not in the right place because you've got to have that, you know, excitement and drive. If I'm down, like literally watching Michael Jackson dance and doing his routines, it just makes you go like, wow, that is practice, that is dedication, that is passion. And that just makes you think that's what makes you strong. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's so inspiring. So yeah, if I'm like down or need a bit of yeah, a wake up or a kind of make me get my motivation back or make me excited, like watching him, I just watch like him on YouTube and just be like, I literally, my drawer will be on the floor and I'll just be anyone who's with me. I'm like, can you just look, just look properly? Like, don't just go, yeah, it's Michael Jackson. Like really look at it because it, oh, it's amazing. I think there was one award ceremony that he did and it's the extended version on YouTube and it's just, oh, it's just amazing. I mean, obviously, Obviously, it's the music, it's the timing, it's the choreography, it's the light, and but it blows me away each time. Amazing. I think that's a good tactic. <laughs> yeah. Hey, friends, you're listening to the Creative Voyage podcast. We are roughly in the middle of this episode, so it's time for a short break. There's no team behind this show. It's solely produced and edited by me, Mario. I don't have any sponsors, and I have no plans to add any. Nevertheless, I can use all the help I can get growing the show. If you like what you've heard so far, there's three simple things you can do for me and future episodes. Number one, review the show on Apple Podcasts. Number two, tell a friend and share a link on social media. And number three, visit the shop on creative.voyage shop and support the show by buying bespoke Creative Voyage products. Thanks everyone, let's get back to the show. One of the wonderful things about being a creative professional is project-based work, which entails the excitement of that next new project. On the other side of that spectrum is the struggle to find new work, especially the work that matters. As with other essential things, Charlotte is intentional about who she works for and with whom she collaborates. Here she talks about her proactive stance in that domain. If funnily enough, I quite like seeking work out, if that makes sense. 
my friend always jokes she's like I'm just such a hunter <laughs> but I quite like you know it's kind of oh okay who can I who can I approach and who do I want to work with who do I want to collaborate with do you have any examples of that a close friend of mine is someone who I did approach because I just really really loved her work and was just like I'm really keen to meet her and see if she actually would ever want to or have a need for art direction services and design work but then equally you know I'm interested in it being a collaboration and just meeting her because I admire her stuff So how did you approach her? You just sent an email introducing yourself? Yeah, I just totally cold, cold, you know, cold emailed her. And I think that, you know, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And I just think, well, you know, fair enough. I understand if it doesn't, fine. But I quite like doing that to some degree because I think it can just, again, it opens opportunities and it means you turn one corner and something else happens that you wouldn't have expected. So yeah, I, I quite like that process. So let's get a bit tactical. Is there a way you structure those email messages It depends. On, I mean, that's where it's, it's probably bad business skills on my part. But it, it, sometimes I just think, well, I just want to cut to the chase and say, look, I'm approaching you because this is what the this is what my studio does. This is what we can offer, and we think that you could um, benefits the wrong word because that sounds negative. Like, oh, you, you looks like you've got some shoddy website and you need an update. But I think sort of realizing like this is what we do, and we see something lacking, and we'd love to collaborate and have a meeting. Um, and then other times it might just be much lighter than that, and just you know, I really very much admire your work. Would it be possible to meet up and, and have a coffee? But I think. It's pretty obvious that it's with that in mind, generally. I find it very weird. People before have said, oh, well, you know, you can be too to the point and actually maybe just be like, oh, hey, saw your stuff, love to grab a coffee. And it's like, well, you're not looking for friends. You are doing this because of what you do. Yeah. I think also you've got to be, again, do your research. It's got to be authentic. Otherwise, it is a bit copy and paste. I mean, I had someone recently who sent me an email and it was clearly that she'd sent it to about five other companies. I got quite angry about it in my head because I just thought you clearly recently graduated or you've recently come off a job and you're wanting to seek out other people to, to collaborate or work with. And it's so obviously a copy and paste. There's no, it's kind of slightly rude. And then I know, I mean, I tried to email everyone back when they've approached me, but this girl, so first off, I felt like, okay, well, that was a generic email sent to about, you know, a load of other people as well, but whatever. And then about, I don't know, two weeks later, another email saying like you know again generic because it was in blue so she'd obviously just copied and pasted and put it throughout it was like did you get my last email i emailed you and it was like you can't you can't, you can't email people like that there has to be like care and thought put into it yeah yeah i agree I have a similar experience. Luckily, it's not often, but I also get emails which are clearly sent to other companies. You're just like in a BCC. And often I reply to those people and I say, thanks for reaching out. But what you did here, just like blasting your email to all these addresses, most probably, is not cool and it's not the best way to get replies. So I just give advice. And then sometimes people are like, yeah, but I was trying to catch more than one eyes or something. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. But are we becoming this? lazy like you can just send separate emails yeah and what do you do when you don't get a reply do you follow up i do follow up i mean i think there is a tendency for people to be very busy i'm busy and i've had people chase me and then i've been like oh damn it i felt really rude i haven't replied and i think it's important to chase up because i think people are away or they miss things or you know i've often had a really busy day got something and thought yeah i need to do that but i haven't made a note of it And then I totally forget because it's not high priority, even though you thought, oh, yeah, that's nice. I, so I, I tend to do that myself. But, I, you know, you're not going to follow up on a follow up. I think it's kind of like if you send something and you follow up and there's still nothing, then it's like, okay, cool. You know, that's fine. It's funny because I think some people will feel too 
proud or um, they're like, oh, well, if they need me, they'll call me. And I don't think that that's the case. I think that people forget and people are busy. So I think it's always important, you know, if there's something you particularly want, yeah, keep pushing for it and be persistent. But it, it is a fine line because I think if I have someone who's really persistent they'll slightly irritate me so it's a fine line of like yeah I've had photographers approach me and say can we meet can we meet and I've thought I you know now you're beginning to annoy me and I'm busy and I you're not right for me a newsletter reminding me of your work is fine but it's like constantly this need to meet is like it's a balance there's an illusion nowadays perpetuated by the highlight reel portrayed on social media that other people have their lives figured out and that we are the only one with struggles Of course, that's far from the truth. Charlotte has been successfully running her studio for 10 plus years, which is no small feat. But as we already discussed, that path was not a straight line. I was curious to hear what are some of her struggles at this point in her career. There are a few things, I suppose. One of which is, I think, having the time to kind of go out and source the work alongside doing the work. I think that that is something which is is hard when it's a small team and you know there are times when you have like loads and loads of meetings and you're just, you just think well I'm sort of trying to get all this in or I'm trying to get everyone happy and available and then suddenly you kind of like yeah, I've got to actually do all these things now and get everyone you know on it but and also I think some of the just the admin you know the business side of things in terms of the contracts and all those sorts of things is I mean I think they'll always struggle with when you put estimates together in terms of are you pitching it at the right cost and you might you feel like sometimes you lose something because because you were too high or you were too low I think in a way that's an endless thing but I think those are things that I'm sort of working through at the moment but I think yeah it's, it's getting the time to do the going out and getting the work to then doing it is there anything else We always joke in the studio of how you have that moment when you're sitting down on a blank page and let's say it's a book and you have that like wave of, oh my God, I can't design. Oh my God, I, you know, how do I do this? And that process still takes a long time, the start of a project. It's not like, oh, it's another book. I can do that easily. Like that's what I'm mainly known for. It's always a struggle, the start of a project. It's always have a, you know, similar to the climb I want it to be from what you did previously. You don't want it to be like that again. So how does that initial process look like? That's always really surprising. I mean, it's very rare that we would disagree in the studio. And I think that there are things that come in and it's just like, we'll be laying out a page and someone will do something and you're like, yeah, that's it. And everyone's in agreement. And it might not be like an obvious why, but we all know. It's just that innate knowledge. And I think that through training and that's through experience. But I think you kind of, I mean, that's possibly a very different response about like, how do you start the blank page? But I think that when you are in that process and then you just sort of come across something and you kind of, I very much feel my way. I'd say I'm quite intuitive. And I think that I'm quite good at reading what a client wants or needs and their kind of where they sit within their world, where to pitch it, whether it's high luxury or mid-tone or I think I'm quite intuitive in that respect. And I think that's the same when it comes to um, design. I think you just kind of, you'll play with something and then you'll just be like, yeah, that, that feels right and it feels appropriate. But as for starting a blank page, I think it's just hard. I think you sort of play and then you might, you know, look things up and reference and start thinking of, oh, that's actually really nice what someone did there. And, and how do I take that on board? But then it's funny because I say all of this and I sound like, you know, confident. Oh, yeah, I'm intuitive. I know it all. But, you know, in that sense. And I don't. I think there's a project. I mean, there's a book that I remember I've done and I 
still look at that book and it none it just didn't fit it doesn't work and the publisher was really happy the author was really happy and it sold really well and everyone's like oh i saw your book you know it's really great but it doesn't do it for me i mean any every single project there's always something you kind of go ah, i did that didn't happen but this book is not even about that it just doesn't work for me like typographically I didn't do a strong job. It just didn't click. And then I, you know, time-wise, I'd met that, you know, the deadline was then and I, I sent what I sent and they loved it. And yet it didn't click. And yet they loved it. And it was like, no, no, we really want to go with this. And I was like, yeah, but okay, but can I have a bit more time? And they're like, no, we need to get this in. This, you know, this Danny needs to go after the author. And then it's okay, the author loves it, you know. And then you're like, well, okay. <laughs> I'm kind of in this situation where I'm not feeling it. And yet I still can't put my finger on why. And it's funny because people have seen it and I've said, oh, it doesn't work for me. And they're like, why? I love it. It works. And it's, you know, and I'm like, no, it just doesn't, it doesn't have it. It doesn't. And again, that's an intuition thing. That's the kind of me knowing for me, it doesn't, it doesn't have it. The terminologies and titles in a creative industry are becoming blurred and somewhat confusing. I've talked to Charlotte about how she differentiates between art direction and design. She also talks about how titles and roles are growing increasingly fluid and about lack of healthy rigor when it comes to labeling ourselves with the prestigious sounding titles. I think nowadays people have a very blurred idea of the different terminologies. I think that they're being sort of thrown around a little bit too much nowadays in that, oh, I'm a creative director. That sounds very impressive and that's what I'm going to use. And, and I think that these things are possibly getting a bit watered down or confused. Having said that, I think a designer is very much more doing the, maybe this is because I feel I know it, so, you know, it's in my world. So I'm just like, well, a designer's doing the design work and an art director is standing back holistically, seeing the overall reach of a project and, you know, literally directing the right people and team to bring that to life. I suppose I also see art direction in terms of the visuals of a photo shoot or you know art directing and illustrator so the art director will have the idea and have come up with the concept of what they want to do and then bring in the photographer to go to realize that I think what's important when I say that is that for myself and at least it's very collaborative so it's not a case of just having an idea and a concept and a vision and then saying hey photographer come on in and do this because that would be treating them like a technician. Obviously, the photographer is going to bring ideas to the table as well, and, and it's a collaborative thing. But I think it's, from my experience generally, I would say the art director is the one who's had, you know, who's worked and who's got the job from the client and is then coming up with the concepts and, and saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. A designer, I suppose in that sense, they're coming up with the design of the book. And yes, that can be based in a concept. But yeah, that's where it straddles these things. That's where it's a difficult one to answer in that sense. But I suppose it's um, a designer is still going to come up with concepts, but it's very much in the physical design and layout whereas an art director isn't necessarily doing that and I think I, I see them as quite separate in terms of yeah the photo shoot is art directed a designer wouldn't necessarily do that that's where it kind of steps into another area and then what about art director versus creative director yeah oh, that's when it gets even trickier no I, and I think that's where creative director and art director are very you know fused I mean I think it's then it just becomes more hierarchical of, of who's first in line with the client and who's having that direct I, to be honest, I don't see that much of a difference between a creative director and an art director. I think, as I said, I think people are blurring them now. I think that their stylist can say they're an art director. And I think it can get quite easy for people to go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, an art, I'm a creative director. And it's like, mm, are you? What, what makes that? Because it sounds really glamorous. Well, the, the word director just like sounds like, wow, you know, like, wow, you're kind of in charge or whatever. So I'm, yeah, I'm kind of careful on when that's used. 
Yeah, and I think at the same time, it's becoming increasingly easy to work within different industries and experiment in different fields. Yeah, people can do all of these things. So you can say, well, I'm an editor now. And it's like, what? Because you edited a film. And I think that's where I get frustrated to some degree of people calling themselves names when it doesn't, it's based on very little experience. And I don't think it's to do with training. Like I'm, you know, if someone hasn't been trained in something, but then goes off and has a different career you know that's cool but what I think I find and struggle with is that if someone has been involved in projects and then they've done I don't know they've edited something a few times to then list themselves as an editor and a stylist or an editor and can you really give yourself that because it dilutes it for all those other people and I think that that's happening at quite a lot at the moment which I find quite, I don't know, it's just interesting. It's just a very, it's almost like that whole, it's not jack of all trades, but I think people will come out with all these kind of blurred areas. And I, I also think it can be amazing, like how brilliant that people can do all of these things and they can make films that quickly and they can. It's brilliant, but at the same time, I think there still needs to be that sort of integrity. We've come to the very end of my conversation with Charlotte. I aim to wrap up every episode with closing takeaways in a form of actionable or inspirational advice from my guests. Here's what Charlotte shared with me. I remember being kind of slightly ridiculed when I was a recent graduate and and I had my notebook and all of my, you know, my sketchbook and I was continuing to use it. And people, you know, I remember just being sort of like, oh my God, you're such a student. And I actually think... I would, I always want to be a student and I always want, you know, if someone ever says that again, I'll be like, that's the biggest compliment. And I think to be a creative professional, you also need to continue that sort of sensibility in terms of always asking as many questions as you can, keeping curious, having a notebook and ideas and photographs and scraps and and continuing to do and work in that way, I think is really, really important. And I actually think that that's what will maintain a kind of fresh creative career because I think that it's when you stop and you just regurgitate and you get bored and then you get dried up and you do you know lack of motivation and all the rest of it so I think it sounds silly but I think just to a recent graduate I'd say always maintain being a student (laughs) because yeah I think that's really important I would also say brainstorming with your friends It's really important to, I mean, I'm not talking about like friends I have that aren't in my profession. I'm talking about, I've got some friends that I, whenever we meet, we're talking about work, but not in a serious like, oh, talking about work and how boring, like we're just going through work and talking about, oh, this is annoying to me today. And this client said that. I mean, it's almost like brainstorming sessions. We're constantly like, oh, and then was this. And, and I think finding people who think similarly can be so inspiring and is rare. But when you do, I think it's fantastic. And I mean, in particular, this one friend I've got, you know, we just have such a back and forth. And every time we, we, we kind of meet and then, you know, go away from one another, we're just like, oh, you know, I'm all fired up now and I'm all motivated. And I think that, again, having that with people that you trust and are your peers and maintaining that is really vital. Third one, knowing what you're good at. It's a very easy thing to say, but I think it's very hard for a recent graduate or a student to quite grasp because I think that at that point in their stage in their career, they don't yet necessarily know. And I think it's taken me a long time to know what my strengths are and, and to kind of have that confidence and to kind of go, okay, this is what I'm about. But I think that when you find that out, lean on it, but then equally bring in the other people who have other abilities because if you try and do everything, it's not going to work. And I think trusting, respecting who you want within the team is really important. And the other thing, and I, and I think this in terms of respect 
is when I've worked with clients and they know that they've brought me in for a specific reason and they're like, that's over to you. That's your domain. You get on with it. That's yours. And you kind of go, okay, I own that. And that's great. I try and do that with those that I bring in to a job. So for example, if I'm working with a photographer and a stylist and a prop stylist and we're on a shoot, then it's collaborative, but it's well, what do you think? Where are you, you know, bring that to the table and respecting their profession in that respect. So yeah, knowing what you're good at and then trusting and respecting that within everyone around you. For everybody at home keeping score, I think we touched on a lot of useful information for anybody out there interested in design, art direction, and more broadly about growing as creative professionals. I want to thank Charlotte for coming onto the show She's producing amazing and thoughtful work, and I'm grateful for the insights she shared with us. Links to Charlotte's work, her Instagram, as well as to some other things mentioned during our conversation can be found in the show notes at creative.voyage slash podcast. You can follow at creative.voyage on Instagram, and you can also email me directly on hello at creative.voyage. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and until next time, my friends, take care.